I try to find three or four words, more of a mantra than a product description or a mission statement. If I were to describe the essence of why I exist, I can do that in two words. It's empower people. There should be one verb and one noun. Empower is a verb and people is a noun. You can imagine it's leadership by authority, but also by influence. And uh, what I've realized is that the latter is a lot more difficult. So really, the leadership by influence truly brings out, you know, the, pushes you to the limit, brings out the best in terms of communication and, and your skills. And I think effective and simple communication is absolutely one of the critical pieces of success uh, in my role. Welcome to Think Deeply, Speak Simply. Brought to you by Presentium, a show about the art and science of communicating ideas and how everyday leaders unlock their careers with great communication. And now, here's your host, Jay Rook. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jay Rook. In our inaugural episode, we're going to explore the theme of communicating with simplicity. Our first guest is the amazing chief evangelist, Guy Kawasaki, to tell us about how he approaches speaking simply, but only after thinking deeply. Our second guest is Mohit Rawat, vice president of oncology at Novartis, who will explore how we apply communicating simply in the workplace. In today's episode, we'll learn the formula that Guy Kawasaki uses to evangelize with impact and why simple is sometimes complicated. Then Mohit will share some applicable strategies to help make your ideas shine through mastering the art of communicating with simplicity. With that said, let's hear what Guy Kawasaki has to say about it. Guy, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me on your show. Really appreciate it. Uh, Guy, your books and speaking engagement show that you clearly put a lot of thought into your communication. When you've been given a new idea, can you walk us through how you think about communicating it? I try to get it down to a sentence. Yeah. So... I think most most ideas, most products and services, they're always described with a bunch of superfluous, extraneous, and just BS adjectives. You know, patent pending, curve jumping, paradigm shifting, enterprise yeah. class, scalable, yes. easy to use, easy to easy to understand. And basically everybody says that about everything. Right. So I try to find three or four words, more of a mantra than a product description or a mission statement. So if, if I were to describe my the essence of why I exist, I can do that in two words. It's empower people. Mm. I'm the chief evangelist for Canva. I can describe what Canva does in two words. It democratizes design. Yeah. And so that's what I like to reduce it to. And when you are uh, reducing things down like that, oftentimes capturing that simplicity can be the hardest thing to do. Yes. How are you trying to filter out, you know, when you're getting down to that essence? Well, typically, there are very few adjectives. (laughs) So let's just say uh, probably there should be one verb and one noun that that would be a good guideline. (laughs) Like empower is a verb and people is a noun. Democratize is a verb and design is a noun. Hmm, I'm seeing a pattern here. Totally. And, and it's so effective, obviously, when we do boil it down like that. Why do you think we don't see more of that in the marketplace? And that why do we see more of that superlatives and just keep adding on the adjectives again and again? Well, some of it may just be ignorance that you know people don't understand the power of simplicity, the power of brevity. Mm-hmm. And some of it may be that 
so much of marketing and sales and evangelism and positioning and branding is abdicated to consulting firms and agencies. So if you can imagine you're working with an agency and you're saying, well, come up with a description for our product and they're charging you 25000 a month and they come back and they say, okay, so it's democratized design. <laughs> I mean, yes. like, okay, so that's 12500 per word. I mean, right, totally. Um, it's, it's, imagine, imagine coming back to a client and say, okay, we got your product. It's two words, democratized design. Yes. IBM way back, they had it down to one word, which was think. Mm. Imagine you were IBM's agency and you came back and said, well, here's our creative brief. The description is for your whole company is think. Yes. Any questions? Right, right. (laughs) Totally with you. And for for you, is, is communication more art or science? I think it's an art. Yeah. It's an art that now listen, I, I'm a believer in science. So mm-hmm. I love the work of Bob Cialdini, for example, and Martin Lindstrom. Yeah. And oh God, who wrote uh, the book is called Absolute Value. And oh my God, the name escapes me right now, but of the author. Mm-hmm. But so I'm a big believer in science, but I just think that coming up with it is not a science it's mm-hmm. i think what happened what helps the most is driving <laughs> I, when i drive i come up with the ideas yes and, and isn't that funny though when, when we take our focus off of what we're trying to solve the, the quality yeah. actually comes in okay quick question when you're uh, taking on a new evangelist role what is it that you're looking at when you are trying to distill it down to that uh, handful of words well th- those are two questions there when i'm First, I have to consider, you know, am I going to get involved with something? Mm -hmm. And that is pure gut. Now, it may be gut formed on 30 years, but it's gut in the sense that it's not like I look at focus groups or Mm -hmm. I look at, you know, some kind of, I don't know, quantitative A-B testing or whatever. That is pure gut. And I, I like to tell people that the the key for me is called guy's golden touch Mm -hmm. and guy's golden touch is not that whatever I touch turns to gold guy's golden touch is whatever is gold guy touches. (laughs) You know, for your audience of thinking deeply and speaking simply, it's very hard to evangelize crap. Yeah. So, you know, 90% of the battle is evangelize or create or affiliate with good stuff. (laughs) then it's easy. Yes, yes, yes. It's, it's hilarious how all these things come down to pure simplicity and the things that we already knew, but then we try to over-engineer them way too much. Yeah. I mean, you know, I have a podcast called Remarkable People, right? Yes. So do I have to explain who's on the podcast? Right. <laughs> all right? I mean, exactly. imagine, imagine uh, let me give you a quiz. What do you think three-day blinds does? Exactly. Right. Right. Six minute abs. Exactly. Oh, the worst case, there's an example of the worst case. And the case is so bad, I can't even remember the word, but it's the name of either the Pfizer or the Moderna vaccine. And they Mm -hmm. have like, it's like eight random, it's like hum de la vivoire or something. I mean, it's like, were you guys on acid when you came up with that name? I mean... Anyway. I'm with you. 
Yeah, and, you know, like the simple two words there, uh, virus prevent, you know, like, like whatever it is, it's not complicated. Do you remember any instances, Guy, where you had uh, great communication unlock something in your career for you? Well, that's every day. <laughs> yeah, it seems it, right? <laughs> well, I used to speak 50 to 75 times a year. So every one yeah. of those was a communication event. Right. I don't speak as much because there's just not as many events. Yeah. But I still do, you know, one or two appearances every week. Mm-hmm. Now done via Zoom or something like that. Right. And I, I would actually make the case that doing a keynote address remotely, whether you're live or recorded, yeah, is much harder than doing it in person, except for the fact that, you know, there's no logistics and there's no 48 hours of go there, come back. Right. So the impact on your schedule is for, you know, for 45 minute keynote is probably an hour and 15. Yeah. Well, an hour and 15 plus 35 years. But yeah. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and, and also that, that challenge though, of not being able to get feedback from your audience as far as how yeah. you're communicating and, and funds that flow. Well, that I admit that that is very difficult, but at some level, if you get good enough, mm-hmm. you don't need to see and hear the audience. I mean, yes. it, it should be. Imagine you're a musician. I'm not a musician, so maybe I'm totally you know full of it. But you could make the case for a musician. It's much more emotional. It's much more engaging to do a live concert you know people mm-hmm. are standing up they got their phones they're right. waving their hands they're you know they're crowd surfing you know whatever right yeah on the other hand you know if you think about it when you listen to most recorded music that was done in a sound studio with right. a producer yes <laughs> listening i mean it's not you know you don't have a hundred thousand people cheering you on so right. when i record a keynote I don't even have a producer, so I have one less than that. But mm-hmm. at some level, when you become a professional, you, you have got to be able to fake engagement, I guess is what I'm telling right. you. Right, totally. Well, and to that point, it seems like you're you're having fun with your life. What is it that you most enjoy about the journey? Well, by far, it's my children. So mm-hmm. I have four kids. They're not children anymore, but I have four kids and that I – Truly am obsessed with surfing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's my wife, my kids, and my surfing. Yes. And, and you know, as we go talk about reframing things in communication, have your children taught you anything about how to reframe? I noticed they're, they, uh, I've got five-year-old boy-girl twins, and they can be a very challenging negotiating sect at times. And so uh, <laughs> how do you work on reframing with, with your <laughs> it's own children? It's going to get worse before it gets better. I mean, yes, you. right. Well, I don't know if I reframe them at all. I think I get reframed. So maybe you should introduce my kids. (laughs) Right. Totally. Totally. We both had the experience of having to uh, share some bad news and communicate that with our parents that we weren't going to uh, practice law. I'm curious how that went on your end. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that. So how long were you in law school? Uh, So I practiced for uh, just under three years, but ultimately decided it wasn't, wasn't my thing. And, uh, you know, I was laughing about doing some research for this interview and I realized, you know, there, there's something around communicating the ideas that are sometimes bad news for people. So you understand that I might draw the conclusion that I'm smarter than you, right? Because it took me two weeks to figure this out and totally. it took me five years to figure this out, yes. right? Yes. I don't mean to insult you, but, you know, that's a data point for it. I got you. I'm with you. I'm with you. And, and, and my student loans will reflect that. <laughs> well, you know, 
I'm sure you can recover from that mistake. Yes, yes. What about uh, you know how this evangelism and communicating changes over time? You know what's different now at Canva versus when you were first starting to kick this off at Apple. Well, you mean in terms of evangelism as a technique? Yes. Well, when I started evangelizing Macintosh in 1983, Uh the state of the art was a fax machine and the U.S. Postal Service. And towards the end, there were now cellular phones that were installed in cars. And Motorola had one that weighed about four pounds that you could carry like a brick, right? I remember it, yep. And so, you know, the state of the art of the technology of evangelism was a fax machine and a gas credit card. So imagine now, for better or for worse, with social media and email lists and targeted marketing with Facebook and all that, it's yeah. it's a completely different world. Right, right, right. Totally. And, and you know, going back to that democratizing point, as far as how much more access you're able to have to an audience at an easier stage, earlier stage rather. And as you've probably learned with uh, the Remarkable People podcast, Can you talk a little bit about podcasting as a medium that's changed how we connect with consumers and also how they consume content? Listen, I've written 15 books. Mm -hmm. And although I've said this 14 times, I don't think I'll write another book. And and the reason (laughs) is the reason is that I think podcasting is more effective, that podcasting can reach more people Mm -hmm. faster, easier and more monetizable. <laughs> yes. So in the book business, if I were to write a book, start a book now, you wouldn't see it for 18 months or two years. Mm-hmm. And in that time, from the time I give the final manuscript to the time it's on the shelf, it's probably at least nine months. So a lot can happen. I mean, imagine if you wrote a business right. book about how to start a company and it was slated for release in the middle of 2020. Yeah. Oh, and there's not one word about the pandemic in there, yes, right? So, you know, right. your recommendation is uh, you should go to conferences like South by Southwest. Oops. Yep. So I just interviewed a woman named Anne Ramoyne. She's mm-hmm. an epidemiologist at UCLA. And we spent 90 minutes going through everything about vaccination and coronavirus and, yeah. you know, all this kind of stuff. Well, that's going to be out in about a week and a half. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> that's about 75 weeks for, before a right. book could have gotten out. And so I think that's the beauty of podcasting. Podcasting is a great, great tool. Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, Marty Gruber, your, your boss at uh, Nova and the influence yeah. that he had on you? Yeah. Anything around uh, communicating differently that the diamond industry and him taught you? <laughs> well, the story you're alluding to is that prior to getting into tech, I worked for a jewelry manufacturer in downtown L.A., and that's as low-tech as you could get, although we had a mini computer. Mm -hmm. And so what I learned there, which has been valuable for the rest of my life, is the art of selling. Because Mm -hmm. I had to sell fine jewelry to fine jewelry retailers. And Mm -hmm. we're talking hand-to-hand combat. We're not talking about A-B testing on home pages, you know, does the blue link work better than the red link? Okay. Right. This is literally open up your bag in the back of a retail jeweler and prepare to get nailed. I mean, mm-hmm. so that was a very valuable lesson that has helped me for the rest of my life. I truly do believe that, you know, in, in life, it boils down to two things. Maybe you heard that. So in life, it boils down to two things. You're either making it or selling it. And if you can't make it, you better learn how to sell. And if you can't sell, you better be an engineer. 
That's awesome. If you think about your, your, your brand ambassador opportunity for Mercedes, I'm a huge Mercedes fan. I'm thinking yeah. if you could go back to your 21 year old self, I assume you would have never imagined this journey. And I'm curious how your internal communication has changed with yourself over the years. <laughs> yeah, that's a big assumption. You assume that I communicate internally. True. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I would not describe myself as a deep, introspective person. Gotcha. <laughs> I, was gotcha. like, I just basically, I just, I just go for it. So, and so does that connect at all with what you were saying about you know firing from the gut and intuition earlier? Well, that's actually a very complicated topic. So you know, I would say that my gut is tempered by 30 to 35 years in business. Yeah. That's a lot different than saying to a, you know, a college freshman, well, what do you think about anything? So one would hope this is kind of the theory of like a Malcolm Gladwell theory that, Mm -hmm. you know, you can make a decision in a blink Yes. Well, anybody can make a decision in a blink, but the people who have been thinking about this and doing this for the last, to mix another book, 10,000 hours, yeah. you know, when they blink and make a decision, it's probably, probably effective. Yes. But it takes the 10,000 hours or 35 years. Absolutely. Going back to this essence of communicating ideas, if there was any like main tip or takeaway that you have for those that are, are working on getting better at that? Well, I, I've never heard a description of an idea that is too short. So mm. I would say always err on the side of brevity. Love it. Okay, I, I know how valuable your time is. I want to say thank you so much for carving out this opportunity for me and just say thank you. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I'm glad to do this. I hope that your listeners get something out of this. And uh, I hope they listen to my podcast because I talk about Talk Remarkable about people. There. Oh, no, really. No kidding. I swear, I have as good a guest list as anybody in podcasting. I've been following you on LinkedIn, and I, I couldn't agree more. We'll have the link to your podcast in the show notes. All right. All right. Thank you. Before we move on to our next guest, let's hear from our amazing sponsor, Presentium. Do you spend way too much time creating presentations at work? Do you hate the hassle of creating polished presentations for work? If so, I've got an opportunity for you to reclaim your time, reduce your stress, and make your ideas shine. Think Deeply, Speak Simply is brought to you by Presentium. Presentium makes overnight presentations for enterprise customers at a fraction of the cost of design firms and agencies. They have made over 1 million slides and are trusted by thousands of enterprise customers. It is super easy to use. Just email Presentium a rough draft of your slides by 5.30 p.m. and you'll receive a beautifully crafted presentation in your inbox by 9.30 the next morning. Put Zen in your presentations, reclaim your time, and let your ideas shine. To learn more, visit Presentium.com. That's P-R-E-Z-E-N-T-I-U-M.com. And now back to the show. Hi, Mohit Rawat from Navaris. Mohit, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate the the introduction and uh, for me to be able to join here. We're thrilled to have you. Mohit, tell us a little bit about your role at Novartis. Uh, so I'm currently the vice president for the chronic myeloid leukemia business. So it's a part of Novartis Oncology where we're 
you know, making life-saving drugs truly transformational medicine. And this is one of the key pillars of Novartisan College. We have a deep heritage uh, and, and history in this space. Wonderful. And can you talk a little bit about how effective communication defines the success of your role? So, you know, in, in my role, I'm leading uh, direct teams of, of uh, subordinates, but also leading a cross-functional team. So you can imagine it's leadership by authority, but also by influence. And uh, what I've realized is that the latter is a lot more difficult. So really, the leadership by influence truly brings out, you know, the, pushes you to the limit, brings out the best in terms of communication and, and your skills. And I think effective and simple communication is absolutely one of the critical pieces of success uh, in my role. Yeah. And, and as you leaned into that learning around some of the challenges with influence, what were some of the initial first steps that you learned that you might advise others on that are trying to uh, lean into influence more? Yeah. You know, I think the secret to influencing more or, or doing it more effectively, really, it, it may be two or three key things. One, you have to truly get to the core of what the other person cares about. You know, what do they want to hear about? What matters to them? And I feel this is one of the challenges, uh, especially in leading with influence or, or in communicating effectively, you don't get to the core essence. So I think that that's step number one. Uh, step number two is it's, it's not about like details and data and complexity. It's, it's about like hearts and minds. Like, can you truly connect? You know, can you understand what drives this person? Can you win their hearts and minds? And yes, data and details is a part of it, but ultimately you have to package it together. So I think storytelling is one of the key ways in terms, you know, that and key tools in terms of uh, influencing and, and effective communication. And I think the third key piece is, is feedback and, and change. Like, can you actually get objective feedback in terms of how you're doing and, and have those people guiding and providing feedback? And did it lead to the change either in terms of behavior or in terms of action? So those are, for me, like three key elements. I love that. And particularly storytelling as, as a strength. And so when you're engaging in that storytelling mindset, what's the simplicity that you're trying to pull through that storytelling and not get lost in the story, as it were? Sure. And, you know, Jay, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned simplicity because simplicity is not as simple exactly, <laughs> and, right? and achieving that. It's uh, simple is much more harder than complex. Yes. So, you know, storytelling is, is one of the tools in, in really getting to that simplicity in communication and, and messaging in terms of what you're trying to say. You know, if you think about it, you know, human species, we are like, you know, we like stories. So it's a better way for the human mind to absorb things. I, I was reading our attention span used to be 12 seconds, now it's even eight seconds. So imagine with that amount of attention span, how do you capture the audience's attention? And as I said, since we are a species that love things in the form of stories, that's a great way to truly connect with the audience, to make things relatable of what you're trying to say. And once you connect, you know, and then you can truly get, then give the message effectively and then close it out with either what it means for them or what's the call to action. Sure, sure. I love that. And it, it makes total sense. And if we think about the simplicity of what you're just describing, you know, that, that storytelling conversation, that's a little easier sometimes in an instance like right now where we're one-on-one. If sure. we think about a very large, highly complex organization like Novartis, mm-hmm. talk us through a little bit around once you have that, that simplicity dialed in or, or whatever the essence of your message might be, how do you mm-hmm. now move this throughout an organization of that size? 
Oh, well, it's uh, easier said than done. And I think, you know, I'll go back to what I said before. The first thing is is truly to get to the core essence. And before we even, you know, think about how we're delivering. So uh, one of the techniques I employ is, uh, is the five whys. I mean, it, not not really like, you know, every time I ask. Uh, so the question is like, okay, why is this important? Then why is that important? So truly, truly get to the core. And once you get to the core, it will be simple. You know, you you will unclutter your mind, and that's what you start building your story around. So, if you've gotten to the core and gotten to the essence, then think about how would you say something that would relate to an audience, and and then it depends on the audience. If it's a big audience, you know, then you really have to strike the right balance uh, between not making it completely, you know, unusable and not making it too complex. Right. And deliver it in that way. And I would say the other piece is. Never give more than three messages. Again, you know, this is just my rule of thumb. Yep. If something is a priority, it cannot be a long list. Priority by definition means what is truly most important. So in changing things in an organization of the size of Novartis and, and, and telling the story, I'd like, you know, start with the core essence and really that five eyes. Think about how you relate and, and how you build it into a story. And then, you know, not more than three key messages in terms of what people need to do and what they act on. And just like keep reinforcing this uh, uh, over and over again. So in our, our earlier segment, Guy Kawasaki had talked about uh, boiling messages down to their essence. And so based on what you just said, I'm going to assume that, that you're in agreement that getting things down to their essence also applies to a, a corporate setting uh, in an Absolutely. organizational format. Absolutely. The leaders that I, I see and admire and our CEO is a great example of like one of the best communicators, like truly getting to the essence. And that's when you connect with the audience and that's when you can see and affect the change that you want to see. And, and to that end, you're speaking of, of CEO and sort of top down and, and, and bottom up uh, communications. Does your definition of simplicity and communication change if you're communicating upstream or downstream within the organization? You know, that's, that's a, an interesting question. I think simplicity is critical, whether it's the communication is upstream or downstream. What might change is what is the goal objective you're trying to achieve and how you go about doing it. For example, in upstream communication, again, like simplicity, getting to the essence is key. But what you need to understand is for, for senior leadership or executive leadership, right? What do you need them to finally act on, decide on? Their their attention span is limited. There's time is valuable. So you need to, again, bring it to the top of their mind. This is what you need their help or input on. And so, yes, you have to tell a simple story, but tailor the message that way. When it comes to downstream communication, as I said, simplicity still remains a core pillar. But then you have to think about, What's in it for them? Why should they listen to you? Why should they follow you? Uh, right. So as I said, the goal that you're trying to achieve is different, but having simplicity as a core in terms of communication remains the same, whether it's upstream or downstream. Thank you. I think we'd all like to be more succinct. Uh, when you catch yourself uh, drifting or perhaps being verbose or not uh, as focused as you might like, as you were just describing, yeah. what's your process for getting back on track? There's no easy answer. I mean, does, you know, honestly, it's, I'll, I'll give an example in, in a live uh, meeting or communication and I find, I find myself being verbose or drifting off. I self-correct myself and open, like, uh, just, just admitting, you know, oh, uh, maybe that, maybe I'm getting off track or maybe it again makes you feel more vulnerable, you know, uh, presents you better to the audience. But like off, 
maybe just uh, taking you know a step back and and analyzing something after something's happening i think a couple of things that that have really helped me is one having people who can give you truly objective and concrete feedback so you know having those people who who are not going to sugarcoat things and and really tell you as as is and that's helped me a lot in terms of you know if i'm drifting or becoming too verbose so the second piece is, is just observe and learn i mean you know whoever you think is is one of the most effective communicators either in your company or outside like life in general yeah. how do they do it it's a never never ending learning process and you know the third piece i would say sometimes people also benefit from professional help so professional communication coaches i ultimately think they can help you provide you the tools but it's still for you to own on what you want to be and what's your style because it has to come naturally so these are some of the things that have helped me when i've gone off track and I, I feel that that style component is, is huge because when we try to emulate other styles, it's just a, a crash and burn uh, most yeah. times. And then as you were saying with that, that vulnerability of calling it out on your own, how that then helps increase your, your influence with that community and tribe because now they're understanding you and seeing you at your level versus you uh, speaking down to them as it were. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and so you were talking about this lifelong learning component. Talk a little bit, if you would, around when you're coaching a direct report who's starting to try to get better at this. How are you helping them learn some of these yeah. initial steps? I think the important thing is first to get like a good baseline and together with the person, right? Whether it's someone on my team or someone up here, uh, where a truly objective baseline, where they think their skills are right now mm-hmm. and where do they want to be? You know, what's the goal? <laughs> yeah. So the journey from A to B, like what is point A and what is point B, you, you've got to define those two things uh, carefully. And once you do that, then I think uh, some of the things that are important is whether it's, uh, let's say, a style issue, whether it's a delivery issue, whether it's just more, you know, thinking about challenge in terms of getting the detail or the balance right. So what is what is the uh, issue here, right? And most of the people, they have an issue of striking the right balance between delivering them information, but making it simple and effective enough. And this is where it's it's as a continuous learning. So a professional can help, you know, what I say, observe and learn is a good technique in terms of, and there's small steps, right? You have to take the time. Ultimately, the time you effort you put in is what you get out of it. Yep. And that's critical. If you don't put the time and effort to understand your audience, to really think what they want to hear, how they want to hear it, you're not going to be able to be effective in delivering it and getting the results that you need. So it is it is something that requires an investment on every individual's part if they truly want to improve and grow. A hundred percent. And as you're describing that, that challenging balance to strike early out, would you say that it's better to err on the side of less is more initially? For sure, for sure. People, uh, I mean, if you think about the great communicators, right? If you think about people you're inspired by, talks you heard, you you probably don't remember the details. You know, you don't remember what, but you remember how they made you feel. Yes. So, and and you may may remember like one, two, not more than three. That's why my rule of three. Like sometimes it's even less. So that that's why I said winning hearts and minds and and truly connecting. Because that's what people will will take away from it. And I, I was, I mean, when I started on my career, like I was an engineer, you know, and, and very technical. It was a challenge. Sometimes, you know, people feel comfortable in the detail. It's like a shield you can hide behind. Yes. So, 
simplicity is is a difficult thing to achieve you have to be vulnerable you have to really fundamentally think differently how you communicate and once you start doing it you do become better at it and then it it, it comes a point where naturally you know you think about okay what is my objective is it to provide the details or to connect with the audience and the answer is is the latter and yeah. yes provide the information but i ultimately you want to connect with the audience and and on the theme of, of impactful connections like that can you think of any instances uh, in your career where uh, that level of communication helped advance your professional life yeah so it it actually happened in in not in this role but in my previous role you know i I'd, i'd done something that was very impactful on one of our big brands uh, in the us market and it was you know, we were very successful in in achieving the results so i was invited uh, by different parts of the company you know different businesses to really go and talk uh, to audiences like you know 2 uh, 3 400 people so people who were from other brands other businesses who didn't know what i had done they were from other geographies other countries it you know it, so they they didn't really know the details so there there's two fold one i had to communicate what was successful and impactful that me and my team had done but more importantly is again you said impactful connection right so that communication that effectiveness that simplicity and i have to say that was one of the turning points for me because since i was able to do that with all these different geographies businesses products i saw that they got the message they actually tried to implement what we had done so you know that was for us the biggest success because then it was not just about me and my team all of these people across 50 countries were trying to do what we had done being inspired by the message so you know the results that we had was only a small part in terms of the impact that we achieved it was more about that we i was able to communicate the idea and really to connect with the audience in a simple manner that then motivated them to go out and and replicate themselves Speak, speaking on the theme of storytelling that was a great story so thank you for uh, for sharing that Mo, sure. tell us, do you feel that great communication is an art or a science or both and why I think it's both and I'll I'll tell you why and it is it's a journey as well like I said you know effective and simple communication being a better communicator is a journey to strike the right balance in terms of art and science is, is also a journey when i started out i was definitely more in, on the camp of it's a science you know like you know, you have to do this this and this this and you have to like cram everything but as i said the more i've grown and and progressed in my career the more i think it's uh, it's the art component is become more and more critical so the science piece is is the fundamental the platform you know like mm-hmm. you you have to talk things that make sense you have to talk things that are relevant you have to provide the information but from there how you take it to the next level that's the art right that's about as i said winning hearts and mind that's about the storytelling that's about the connection and that has to come naturally it has to be one's own style so what's the balance of art and science for me might be different for the next person right you have yes. to feel comfortable in your own skin love that uh mo uh, closing question here what advice would you have for aspiring business leaders who want to improve their communication I think the first uh, advice would be like this should be one of your top priorities. This is not uh, you know priority number 5 or 6 like I'll do it maybe I get one or two hours in a month and I'll focus on it. Yes. So absolutely make it a top priority. Second as I said you have you know what I tell my uh, colleagues or subordinates is, is 
have a good baseline and objective assessment of baseline and think about what are the goals that you're trying to achieve. And your goal might not be, I want to be the best communicator in the company. Right. It is the goals you have to set it for yourself. Yes. And then third is how do you map the journey from where you are to where you want to be? You know, mm-hmm. as I said, you have to think about what's not working for you, which element of communication is not working for you, what sort of help or support do you need, whether it's professional, whether it's through peers, whether it's through mentors who who can truly help you improve on where you are. And finally, but most importantly, it's as I said, the investment of time and effort mm-hmm. is what will get you the results. Uh, that's the only way like every other skill you know like uh, basic education like you know running like you know any craft or skill this is a skill yes. so what you put in is is what you get out and and the more you put in the better you're going to get at it so that would be my advice i love that thank you for sharing that because it's the same paradox for me around uh, how it's challenging to make complex simple and then it, it's to me, it's, it's amusing that we spend all this time and money, as you said, uh, learning courses, learning software, learning all of these other things. But when, then when it comes time to dedicate and improve to how we communicate and interact with each other, it seems as many times as a, uh, a nice to uh, have skill versus one that we commit in. And, and what I love about what you're saying is once you put that time in, A, you rarely regress, but B, it just provides more and more dividends down the road because you're more and more impactful in connecting and influencing in every communication you have thereafter. Absolutely. I mean, and, you know, as people grow in their careers, you get further and further away from actually doing the work yourself. You're, you're relying on on layers and layers of people. So how, and, and that's where communication, effective and simple communication is is so critical because you have to move a big group, if you have to move an organization, if you have to move a big number of people, you have to, first of all, translate your vision, you know, your ideas effectively and then motivate them, you know, because they are the ones who are going to move. It's it's a big tanker. Uh, so if you want to be a senior leader and I'm, you know, uh, as I said, I'm on my journey and I'm, I'm improving every day, that's why it is so critical, simple and effective communication. Thank you. Well, Mo, on behalf of myself and all of our listeners, I want to say thank you for coming on the show today and, and sharing your insights and thoughts on communication. We really appreciate what you've shared with us. Thank you, Jay. It was a pleasure and really enjoyed our conversation and uh, look forward to you know seeing the podcast out <laughs> and uh, how this is received. So thank you very much for the invitation. You're very welcome. Abraham Lincoln once wrote, I'm sorry I wrote such a long letter. I did not have the time to write a short one. The reality is that communicating with simplicity is a challenge because simplicity takes a long time. It's one of those paradoxes, like fast is smooth and smooth is slow. Today, Guy taught us to create a mantra and how to boil communication down to two words, a noun and a verb. And while Mohit also shared his personal formula of never having more than three messages in one communication, he reminds us that communicating with simplicity is more than just whittling down messages and wordsmithing. It's also about winning the hearts and minds of our listeners, and we can't get there unless we speak to the topic of what's in it for them. Lastly, both of our guests emphasize that simple communication isn't simple, and that if we want to increase our impact and authority when we communicate, we need to recognize that communication is a discipline unto itself that requires both a study and practice if we're to improve. And that's exactly why we launched this podcast. Signing off, I'm your host, Jay Rook, and I'd like to thank you for listening to the first episode of Think Deeply, Speak Simply. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast, and we'd love it if you'd rate and review the show. Until next time, think deeply and speak simply.
Thank you for listening to another episode of Think Deeply, Speak Simply. To learn more about the art and science of communicating ideas, visit our thought leadership library at presentium.com.